Real business owners telling real stories and experiences. Welcome to the show. The Robert Nichols Insurance Group works for you and not the insurance carrier. With over 100 carriers to choose from, we take great pride in making sure you get the best coverage at the best rate. We celebrate in taking the burden off your plate so you can concentrate on what matters most to you. Auto, home, life, health, and of course, businesses insurance. Give Robert Nichols Insurance Group a call today at 561-406-6153. Stop wondering if you've everything covered with five-star reviews pouring in every day about our service and our savings. Call the Robert Nichols Insurance Group, 561-406-6153. All right, so uh, time for another podcast. Uh, we have a great guest here, uh, another one of my long-term successful business owners, uh, Debbie from Split Ends Salon here in Coral Springs, Florida. Say hi. Hi. All right. Um, so just like uh, kind of we did in the pregame here, uh, tell me the story. I want to know where you started, how you got to where you're at. Give me the story behind Split Ends Salon. Okay, so I've been doing this for about 30 years. When I first got out of school, I wanted to do a business and then realized that that was like silly because I had no idea what business was about. Um, I actually left the business for eight years um, to help my husband start his business and we made it very successful. And my mom passed away, went into a huge depression, decided I hated his business and wanted to do my own. So I told him I wanted to buy a salon and my friend was selling this one, so I bought it. So why the salon business? Because I knew hair, and I liked hair, and I like what I do, and doing hair makes people happy. So what gives you the most enjoyment about doing hair? The most enjoyment is the transformation. Like, sometimes it's like, oh, you get to do a trim, and but sometimes you get to do something really different. And it's really nice when you get to see the reaction, and the people are so happy with their difference. You know. Do you remember something in the very beginning that gave you that feeling that you were like, I know that this is the business for me? Uh, from when I first started or when yeah, I Yeah, when you were first business? doing it and you were like maybe studying and wondering like, ah, did I, did I do, like, was this the right decision? And something happened and you were like, oh yeah, this is for me. Even before you maybe helped out with your husband's business and something that stuck in the back of your mind knowing that you wanted to do this. Honestly, I was cutting hair as soon as I could. I cut every Barbie I had, every baby doll I had, to the point I was restricted from touching dolls. I got bought dolls and told I wasn't allowed to touch them. And then I started cutting my mom's hair. And you ever so, butcher anything? Oh, sure. Of course. We all make mistakes. We all have bad days. It happens. You try really hard not to. Who'd you do it to? My mother. Um... Honestly, when I was in school, she wouldn't let me cut her hair, which was really weird because when I wasn't in school, she would let me. And I, I was almost at the end of school and I said, let me cut your hair because she was going to this guy and he was a great guy. I worked with him mm -hmm. and I said, let me cut your hair. And she said, oh, all right. And I said, mom, do you keep these as a point or does he cut them off or what does he do with them? And she said, oh, I don't know. And I was like, Ksh cut them off so she had no points she looked like a man she was so mad i was like oops so 
But you learned that that was uh, so you didn't do that to her again. No, we never did that again. Yeah. Does she yeah. still? Did she let you cut your hair? Did she let you cut her hair after that? Oh yes. Yeah. Every Christmas it was wears scissors. Like, yeah. Really, mom. So it became a tradition for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I cut my parents' hair all the time. Yeah. When I when they were alive, so yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And so you bought. When did you buy this business? Two thousand and eleven. May. Two, May two thousand and eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seven years ago, and. You want what? The, the what I want to know is why did you want to be in the business and not just be a stylist? Because you could have just went and worked anywhere, built up a little book, maybe rented a chair, but you wanted to own a salon. I think for me, owning a salon is—it's not just about owning it. It's about you're not only changing the lives of the people you touch with haircutting and that kind of thing, but the people who you employ. So. I know that I care and I worked in corporation I worked on my own I worked doing makeup I did it all I did all the editorial work I did TV work I did all of it first and to be honest with you I could work under a boss no problem and sometimes yes I do think god why did I do this I could have been you know just a stylist and go on vacation every other week <laughs> and um and I don't get to do that as an owner so because I feel bad leaving my business but I do it for the girls that are here, and I keep doing it for them. Because if the door is closed, then all my girls are out of work. Yeah. You know, and all my, or my stylist, I shouldn't say girls. Um, I do have a guy. But um, it puts them out of work. And so I think that you need to generally care about everybody, not just the staff, not just the customers, not just the money coming through the door. The money will come if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And it doesn't always take, you know, millions of dollars to get them through the door. But no, you can't just sit there and expect the phone to ring, but, you know, it's it's, but it's people work. Do. Where did that philosophy come from in your life? Because, you know, I, we hear it sometimes, and it seems like a real cool thing to do, but I've known you for years. I know that you genuinely put the effort into your staff. Right, because you have a guy that works here. Mm-hmm. Into the staff, into the stylist, into the facility, into all this stuff. Where did that philosophy come from for you? Because I never wanted to be told to do something that my boss wasn't willing to do. And I worked in Motorola for 17 and a half years, and it was massive corporate. Mm-hmm. And I had a boss who didn't care, didn't know, didn't understand the job, had no clue what she was doing. So she's giving adults gold stars. Adults don't want no damn gold star. What are they supposed to do with it? <laughs> like, yeah. It, so, real, so you like, approach this from thing. You had an experience, and you had a bad experience. And really, the philosophy was... I don't ever want to do that to anybody else. And so every decision you make is you remember what that felt like and how it operated. Mm -hmm. And you just won't make that decision and force that on somebody else. Now, at the same time, you're not a jellyfish where somebody can just roll on you and staff can't roll on you. You have standards and expectations from them. But it also is, hey, I know that it makes you better in this industry, so that's why I do it. Exactly. Um, and like as of recent, I actually took a business salon accelerator course to learn what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. What is my staff doing wrong? What are we doing wrong as a business from a business standpoint? And I learned a lot. And what I did was I incorporated my stylist and my staff into the business that I learned because 
So we're going to sit down and we're going to do a code of ethics. And with everything in that code of ethics is going to be, this is the penalty for not following these rules, but you guys help make them. So you know the rules. So if you don't follow them, you know the penalty. So I'm not the bad guy all the time. So what's the hardest part of this business for you? The hardest part is, I would say, keeping Stylestone employees. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, you hire three, four, six, you get maybe one or two that stay. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest part. But is it because people, so unlike other industries, to be a stylist, you have to go through school. Yes. So the images that you see don't reflect the hard work that go into what it takes to be a stylist. Right. A lot of people don't see the like nasty fingers and you're, I'm telling you like stylists have nasty fingers at the end of days. It's crazy mm-hmm. because they're touching color and you know you can't get that stuff out because you're sticking a hair yep. um, and they don't see the instances like your mom where you chop off the wrong part and somebody yells at you right mm-hmm. or you know washing 100 customers hair so that you could get the right feel for it. People the pain in your back, the oh cost of your equipment, nobody right? realizes. Like, they pick up your three, five, six, seven hundred dollars digits, and you're all like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, these are cool, and you're like, please don't drop them, please don't drop them, please don't drop them. That, that was they one of the most realize. fascinating things for me learning about the business was I was at the premiere show and was right next to somebody selling scissors. I was like, those look really cool. I was like, how much are those? $700. I'm going to put those right down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. true. Nobody, re- what? You paid how much? You have to yeah. pay how much? Yeah. And it's, it's just constant. So. <laughs> but, so do you think that stylists churn that fast because they go through school, they get a little glimpse, but once they actually hop into a salon, they can't start doing the big, fancy, fun things right away, and that causes them to get a bad taste in their mouth? No. What do you think it is? I don't Why think do they that's last? I, I, I think in this industry, I mean, you need to you need to work with your girls or your staff because, um, and we do. So if there's something they don't know or they can't do, let me know. We'll do it. We'll work on mannequins. I have mannequin heads all over the salon. And we'll do training and we'll do whatever it takes and we'll go to trainings together and we'll go to the hair show and we'll do whatever it takes to get you comfortable doing what you need to do Mm -hmm. so that you feel more comfortable with your business choice. You know, I don't want them to leave the industry and they generally don't. A lot of times um, the schools are telling these, these students that they can go out there and be editorials and they can do movies. Work for magazines. And it's yeah. not true. Mm-hmm. You have to have a background. You have to know what you're doing. And you have to have a connection. This is, I mean, it's not Hollywood, but it's still you need a connection to get yeah. into. I know because I did that into the business. Yeah. So, and I know how you have to have a connection to get in. And that connection had a connection. And it just flows. But you don't just walk out of school and be like, I'm going to do magazine work. And I'm going to. And they're all doing free portfolios. They're giving away their work to try and get business and you don't give away your work you can't eat yeah it's you have to get paid like it's important building your portfolio do that getting paid yeah. you don't, don't do it and you could do that in the neighborhood salon and Absolutely. things like that because you don't have a book because when you know people are going to learn a lot about the salon industry listening to this because they don't understand that there's really two different business models you can rent a chair mm-hmm. right and go out on your own and you have to build your own book which means you're out there grinding, handing out business cards in parking lots, things like that. Or you can work at a salon where an owner will take on that, 
but there's two different compensation plans. Right. Right. So you can build your portfolio by just asking customers to take pictures, right? And mm -hmm. you can do that here while learning, mm -hmm. while building your book, while doing those things, exactly. and be in a safe, comfortable learning environment. And you want to give your business away for free, this is what you do. Okay? Yeah. So you do their hair, and then you'd be, hey, let me touch up your makeup. Mind if I take some pictures boom you're doing it you're doing it you're, you're doing the makeup for free but you're still doing their hair and you're still getting paid yeah so it doesn't make sense to give away your work that's so just me that that so i think a lot of the reason like staff moves this is florida we have a lot of people that come and go come and go come and go mm -hmm. so like one of my staff moved back home one of my staff couldn't find a babysitter so she had to stay home and with the kids for the summer and i'm like okay and you know what are you gonna do and then a lot of times like you build them you build them you build them you give them everything and some people don't remember what you did for them and <laughs> i don't the mean to be mean i don't mean yeah. to be mean but it's the truth they don't remember what you did they remember what did you do for me lately mm -hmm. and they go oh, i'm busy and they get this big you know head and they go oh, i could do this on my own okay you know, it is what it is. And, and to be honest with you, if one of my girls came to me or one of my staff came to me and said, you know what, I'd really like to break out on my own. I'd like to start my own thing. I would help them to do that because you, you shouldn't be competing with anybody but yourself right. every day. That's the way it is. And that's what it should be. Compete with yourself and nobody else. So what's the second hardest part about the business other than staff? Because it's, you know, and it's a little different, but the second hardest part about this business other than the staff, what's something that's out there? I guess I would have to say second hardest part is making sure the customers are coming through the door. Yeah. Like without the customers, we don't have a business. So we need to appreciate every single person that walks through our door and you don't argue with them. You don't fight with them. I don't care what they say. Yeah. And if it, you're mad at them and they do something wrong, go outside and yell at the bush. Come yell at me. Never take it to the client. I don't care how bad it is. So I want to, I want to walk you through and role play a little bit here okay. because that's an interesting statement coming from, you, I mean, you're in, you're in the beautification business, okay, right? Like at, at the shows and when I was teaching, I was talking about, hey, let's make everyone beautiful again. Mm -hmm. Because that's really what the salon business is about, yep. okay? Where's the line on what a customer wants and what they need in this business? Because, you know, customers in this aren't generally right. You understand, the stylists understand face shape, hair length, layers color you know um not everybody's built for that ash tone stuff that costs like 700 bucks every two weeks that's not for everybody some people aren't meant to be blonde you know and i, I know that beauty's in the eye of the beholder but where's that line for you guys okay for us that's the consultation yeah so you sit down you ask them what they want why they want it um because what you're doing with the consultation is you're actually getting out of them what's going on in their head. Because somebody could tell me I want to be a blonde and what shade of blonde? Like you can show me a picture all day long, but what mm -hmm. you don't understand is nine times out of 10, those pictures are filtered. So that color isn't realistic. White is so unrealistic. Can it happen? Yes, certain people can be white, but they're not starting from a level four. They don't have like dark, dark hair. Yeah. So you mean I'm not going to look like Brad Pitt with my receding hairline and bald spot in the back? Exactly. Like you have to. <laughs> like exactly. Like you have yeah. to. And so you listen to what they have to say. You continue to question them right around until you get to. So, do you think this is really going to work for you? Are you willing to maintain it this much? Yeah. Are you understanding the prices that it's going to cost you to maintain it? 
Because if you don't, then they walk out of here with this expectation of something. And we will absolutely, 100%, my biggest thing is over, over, under promise, over deliver. Yeah. So during the consultation, you'll actually take them through not only what the, the cut is going to look like, the color is going to look like, but that's an important part of the business is the maintenance. Mm -hmm. People, that, I mean, there you see there's uh, places popping up left and right that sell some good stuff, some junk, but it's a multi-billion dollar business in hair mm -hmm. care. And men is a growing part of that. But for women, they don't understand that they're going to have to not only invest the hundreds of dollars into that visit, mm -hmm. but also hundreds of dollars into the maintenance side of it. Mm -hmm. How and are you going to blow dry it? Are you? Because if you're not, it's not going to look like it does if I blow dry it. Yeah. So are you going to blow dry your hair every day? Do you want to? Like, you know, some people be like, oh, I put my hair in a ponytail all day, but I want you to cut it to here. You do know you're never going to be able to ponytail that again. Is that going to bother you with your hair hanging yeah. in your face? Or are you going to be able to barrette it up every day? What do you need me to do? Like, what's your yeah. work cost? And people don't ask the right questions. So what percentage of time do you spend on the consultation versus the actual? Because this fits right into the customer expectation part of it. Mm -hmm. It depends. So if it's a new client, it can take anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes if it's somebody you've already done sure. and that's another thing like people don't don't think about oh oh just come on back let's get you washed they don't think about consulting the clients that they already have and that they've been doing and and then they wonder why they lose clients and a lot of times you're losing clients because you're not ever sitting them down and being like do you want anything different like i had a lady she sat down i've been doing her hair for you know years and I said, so what are you thinking? You think you want to do anything different? You want to stay the same? You want to do the same color? I ask every one of my clients, mm -hmm. you still want to do the same color? Is color okay? What do you want to do? And she's like, I think I want to be a redhead. I'm like, let's try it. Let's go. Worst that can happen is we had to, you don't like it. We have to make it brown again tomorrow, you know, next next time. So have you ever walked away from a, a haircut? Like the consultation, you just realize that the customer is, there's no way to make them happy. That what they want isn't realistic, and or they don't have the budget. Like they want the thousand dollar haircut for fifty bucks. Have you ever walked away Absolutely. and just said, "Listen, I don't think that we're the right spot for you." Absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent. You really? come in here with the that wrong expectation. Guts. You know what though? If I've got a girl who's got, a, again, a level four. Let's just go level four because that's like pretty standard. It's okay. dark. Nobody nobody listens to know what a level four okay, is. Okay, but a level four is like a dark brown. Okay, got and it. And my dark brown wants to be white. Okay. Okay, here's the deal. You're never going to get that your first try. I mean, if you do, your hair's burning off. It's dry as heck. You're not going to be happy. Even if I get you to the right color, yeah. it's going to burn off. And you're going to need sessions. It's going to take time. And if you're not willing to put in the time, you're not willing to put in the money, I'm not willing to do your hair. And if I have a girl who comes yeah. in here, she's already been done. Her hair is broken, but she doesn't care. She still wants a perm. Not here. <laughs> you can go anywhere you want to. I'm not doing it. I won't yeah. touch it. You want more bleach? I'm not going to touch it. You want your hair to melt off in the sink? I'm still not going to touch it. I don't care if you tell me it's okay. I don't tell me... Because it's never okay. Care, it's not okay. It's never okay. Yeah. And I I have a client who I do all the time. And she's like, I want white streaks right here. I'm like, then you need to stop flattering your hair. And when you grow it, you know, this much, and we can cut it, and it's all fresh, then we can do it. But right now, it's going to melt off in the sink, and I'm not willing. So, you know, let's, let's pivot a little bit into the business side of the salon. I want to hear maybe... Um, a story of when you were scared that you bought this eight years ago and you're like I don't know if this thing's gonna make it you know okay. and then so, I want to yeah. know what it was and how you got through it okay so 
in the very beginning. Um, honestly, when I got, when I did the, when I talked to the girl who sold it to me, um, she told me she was, you know, in the black. Yeah. <laughs> which absolutely was not true. Okay. Um, they did actual book. They never did computer. They never switched over anything like that. Um, and I had staff here that wasn't on the up and up. And she was paying way too much to all of her employees, so she wasn't making a profit at all. And for the first year, I sat here and I just watched. And I watched who was doing what, what was going on in my business, and I was like, okay, this is why it's not working. And she was literally coming out of pocket every single month to cover her bills. And I didn't get into business to cover my bills that way. No. I don't care if I just break even and I don't have to, t and I don't take a dollar. I don't want to come out of my pocket to pay no. for the business. So I was like, this isn't working. So I put on my good girl panties and I <laughs> went out there and I advertised and I joined the chamber and I met all kinds of people and I got rid of the staff that wasn't helping the business who were actually hurting the business. Yeah. Um, social media is a very very scary thing because with the slice of a keyboard you can get your business ruined and i mean i had these people's customers slaughtering my business on facebook i mean thank god they were actually doing it under a post that would disappear yeah and i blocked them all and then they started like th threats it's like that's probably the scariest part of this business is every time somebody quits leaves or gets fired they somehow they want to ruin your business really and it doesn't matter what you've done for them it doesn't matter if you fired them it doesn't matter so how did you get through that process and how did you stay above the fray because i don't you know, okay so when, it, when it's a customer and you know what every there's no business in the world that can make everybody happy no correct. matter how hard you try correct um i apologize for what happened to them because that's important um I try to not blame them for whatever's wrong or whatever their problem is with the situation. Um, I take full responsibility for what's wrong. How they read into what I say is their business, and then I let it go. I don't continue on with a customer who's gone nuts and totally like yeah. this, this, and Off this. the reservation. Yeah, totally. So yeah. when it was a whole thing with the business on Facebook, um, with the stylist's uh, clients I just flat out you know I didn't apologize I didn't do anything like that but I did say to them you know what you know your stylist for 30 minutes you have no clue who they are on a day-to-day -day basis I've known these people for 10 years um, and I've sat here and watched them for a year you have no clue what they're doing mm -hmm. and shame on you you know and it's it's important and then you had to reset and then, the business yeah and then I reset well, you, so if you're, you know, if you're firing staff, things like that, you had to reset. Oh yeah, I was that pretty much. Scary. I was pretty much told that yeah, you're never going to survive without them. And yeah. what I found, what what I realized in that year of watching what was going on is they were actually hindering every other stylist in here, and those stylists weren't making money and they weren't happy. And when they're not happy, you're going to lose those people. So you can't do that. So like So that kinda that kinda leads into what I was gonna ask you is what's something in the beginning you were worried about that now you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I worried about that. Um money flow. I mean, honestly, isn't that everybody's biggest thing? Yeah. Is are the clients yeah. gonna come in? Or are you gonna have enough money to pay the bills at the end of the year? Um or my biggest my biggest fear will always be 
and my staff get paid. So as long as I have the money in the bank to pay the staff, I'm good. Yeah, Everything so else is secondary. So I would say scariest thing is... Get, in the beginning, you were worried about like, oh crap. Yeah, getting the get clients paid. in the door. What if somebody does a walkout? What it, you know, because that happens in this business. Business is big for that. What is a walkout? A walkout is when all the stylists get together behind your back and they all leave at the same time. At the same shot. And then there you're stuck with your high rent and your high bills and no stylist. And no stylist. And yeah, what so do you what, do? what do well because you've never had that happen here. Never. I I try really hard not to make <laughs> anybody that upset. Yeah. So. But I want my girls to be a part. My my staff needs to be a part of my business. I want to hear a great story about a stylist, like either you know something kind of magical that happened here, where you know you either took a stylist to another level, they're doing well now, or a stylist because of what they learned here. Their family is awesome. I want to hear like a cool story that just resonates with you that you remember of something that this place has created. Okay, well, honestly, I would have to say it's Gabby. Is Gabby here? I don't know where she went. Oh, okay. But she's in the front. Oh, she's in the front. Okay. So, Gabby is amazing, and mm -hmm. she's always been very confident about what she does as a stylist, and she's always been amazing with color and, and that kind of thing. So, in that reality, we didn't really teach her that. She, she got all that in school. Um, she went to Aveda, she's like this, but that poor girl came in here for her interview and she sat down and I was like, Fruit Loop. And <laughs> so the fact that she even <laughs> took the job is amazing because, <laughs> so my husband got in a car accident, he's calling, I'm not answering because I'm in an interview, he's calling and calling and calling and I finally pick up the phone and I'm like, I'm in an interview. And he's like, I got a car accident and I need this. And I made her walk to the car with me, go get my insurance so I could give it to him as we continued to talk. And the craziest interview ever. Craziest interview ever on the planet. And um, <laughs> and then it just, I, like, she just became like so, like, right hand. Like, she was right there. She was organizing things. She, she does all the things that I don't. Like, yeah. if I can't organize it, she's got it. And and I'm like, like, just a total, for instance, this morning somebody called, and they're like, I'm with so-and-so, and I want to see you. And I said, you need to hold on. Okay, I need this. And she's like, Debbie, is this a sales call? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, click. And I'm like, <laughs> she's like, they'll call back or they won't. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, see this? Throw it away. You don't need it. Yeah. I'm like, she throws things away, I won't throw away. So you guys have become like uh, Bert and Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> you guys work well together. Yeah. You know, she and, and it started because you were like, oh my gosh. And then the, she's able to put up with me through that. Yep. And she was my yeah, assistant. Yeah, why did you hire her? She was my assistant first. Okay. She was assisting and reception. So she was, that was great. And she was very organized and that was really good. And she got a little nervous when it came time for her to go on the floor. Uh -huh. And what I do is I pay hourly and then you only get so much time for hourly. Because I'm handing you customers, and I'm handing you customers. And mm -hmm. then at some point, I'm taking that hourly away. So that, that safety net is gone. And I would say that was the scariest moment in, in uh, Gabby's career. <laughs> and she panicked. And 
but she flew and she makes way more money than her hourly wage would ever Prefer. pay her. So yeah. yeah, so because what it does is it actually kickstarts you as a stylist to actually do it. Yeah. And Gabby's competitive, so when you give her the challenge, she's like, um, "All right, challenge accepted." Yeah, you know. So, all right. So, what somebody wants to somebody's a stylist and they're you know working in a salon and they want to own their own salon. What kind of advice would you give them? Don't say don't do it because that's the most common. No, no, thing. I wouldn't. What's some advice you would give to somebody that's starting off in the business as an owner? As an owner, the first thing I would say is make sure it's what you want. Make sure you understand the fact that you're going to be working. Like yeah. this isn't just walking the door. Customers going to come in and you're going to make a fistful of money. Because I can tell you, uh, there's a Facebook page called Hairdressers Advice, and I watch all these stylists who are like, "Oh, the owner's taking all my money. Um, oh, the owner oh. makes a fortune." And I'm sure this is in every single business. And I don't understand why in the hair business it tends to be more so that they think we're taking all of their money, but what people aren't realizing is, you know, we're paying the rent. There's there's a lot more than just paying the rent and the electric and the water and the insurance and the fees and the city and the, you know. There's Behind this whole, red curtain is a color room full of thousands of dollars of color. Yeah, plus all the product up, the, you know, and I don't think they realize that they're not making a fortune. I've been in this business and I've been in this salon for seven years and I can tell you I could count on both my hands how many times I've taken an actual paycheck. Yeah. So I don't get paid. Like yeah. everybody else gets paycheck every week. I get tips. And whatever <laughs> tips I make, that's my money. Yeah. And I mean, I'm fortunate. And could I take money? I probably could. Um, but you put it back into the But business. I like to keep it in the business. Mm -hmm. So I like to switch out like, what's going to excite my girls? So you have to understand that that's going to be something that happens. Everybody gets into a rut. You need to bring them back out of that rut. You need to figure out how to get them motivated because everybody gets complacent. So you need yeah. to figure out how to get rid of the complacency. What do we need to do? So, yeah. you know, do we, so we changed all our products. Like we're getting rid of the old and bringing in the new and it's exciting. And then they're all like, oh, I sold something today. <laughs> this is stuff you have to remember. This is part of your business. So you just need to make sure it's what you want. Don't think you're gonna get rich. I'm not saying it can't happen. Mm -hmm. It could, but it's not a business where you're gonna be like, a multimillionaire overnight ever ever you know when you might make your money is when you get to sell your business because you're making enough money to sell it for a decent price yeah and then so how hard is it to be a stylist and an owner it's it's difficult yeah. because I'm fortunate I have my son who works here so he's got my back and I got Gabby and she's got my back and all my girls are I have honest employees I don't worry about anybody stealing but it's something you need to watch because yeah. not everybody's honest I've been in this business a long time I've seen it pretty much all I've seen like the crazy thievery that you wouldn't even think about like <laughs> taking products from the back room and pouring it into their own bottle and then putting it on the shelf to sell to clients oh my no 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 because now you're cheating the client yeah oh but they won't know no they will know They'll and it figure doesn't it out matter what is wrong with you you don't do that but anyway so there's like you have to have ears and you have to have eyes and you have to see what's going on. Because if you're not paying attention and when you're doing your clients, how much are you paying attention? Yeah. So I honestly only do my clients. I try really hard not to take walk-ins from my girls or my staff. I give it to them. Mm -hmm. And because I don't want to stand behind my chair 100% because I need because to know what's, you can't going see what's going on. on. 
and you, you got to listen, you know, yeah. you got to listen. Cause like sometimes people are like, you know, you don't want somebody to quit because they're mad about something you didn't even know what's going on. Yeah. You have to take that. You have to now take time away from your chair. To like you want to make sure your, yeah. your staff feels comfortable coming to you and telling you what's going on. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Hope you had fun. Yeah. Wasn't that bad, was it? No. No? All right, high five. <laughs> What's the scariest part of this business? Do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>